You're listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 346, brought to you by the Seagate GoFlex satellite, graphically and iFanboy listeners like you. Come let us make bricks and burn them hard. We'll build a city with a tower for the world. And clients so we can reach anything we may propose. Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode number 346. I'm Josh Flanning, and I can say Pick of the Week very fast, and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Ron Richards, who we're says back. it faster. I do say it faster. Yeah, you're both back. How's Yay, that going for you? we're all back. We're all back here. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. How are you? Boring conversation anyway. At iFanboy.com, we like comic books. Stormtroopers hitting the ground. <laughs> Oh, wow. I blew it. We there. are rusty. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, when we gone, timing's all off. Yep. <laughs> it's all flat. It, to be fair, it's quite warm. <laughs> it's true. It's August. This I can is... attest to that. I am back in New York and it is hot. Oh, it's probably hotter there than here. Yeah. It feels like 96, according to my phone. Wow. Yeah. IFanboy.com is our website. It is about comic books. We started it because we actually do like comic books. Every week we read a bunch of them. One of us picks the one that they like best. Sometimes it's filthy and write about it on the website. And then we talk about it on the show along with other books from the week, questions, comments, concerns, things like that. And <laughs> Almost gotcha. <laughs> no, I, I saw it and I was like, maybe I should say it. And I was like, oh, no, This is our new thing, everyone listening. Is to put, we keep putting it in the same place. We have to move it around. Uh, there's there's a there's a landmine in the script. It's usually got to do with balls. Before we get going, <laughs> quick reminder about the show. We're going to be talking about what happened in the books from the week. So if you haven't read them, there will be spoilers. Consider yourself forewarned and proceed accordingly. Uh, this week, Ron, you have the pick of the week, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that you beat the uh, Vegas odds on this one. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, if there was ever a time for a script landmine to involve balls, it would be talking about this this comic book. <laughs> and the, uh, the pick of the week that I went with was uh, Black Kiss 2, issue number one, by none other than the, the legend, the man himself, written and drawn by Howard Chaikin. Um, and yeah, I knew it was going to be, I don't know. I, I mean, I honestly, I thought there was going to be way more blowback in the comments and in <laughs> reaction to it. <laughs> yeah. Blowback. Um, I thought there was gonna be a lot more negative kind of thing. Cause I know a lot of people, uh, don't really appreciate the shaken as much as I, or we do, um, shaken, but, uh, but I, I was glad to see a lot of people had an open mind and I think maybe some of the boobies helped. <laughs> but basically, so Black Kiss, um, and if you go to ifanboy.com, I, in the review, I kind of detailed this as well, but just to give a high-level kind of background on Black Kiss, um, back in the 80s, uh, when Howard Chaikin was doing American Flag, his, his seminal work, which you haven't read, go read that, because that's amazing. Um, uh, it was around the same time where the media landscape was filled with topics of censorship and and content ratings, and you had the problem with the with the music, with the with the Tipper Gore and the PMRC and the and the Two Live Crew and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> this is what I like to sound old. 
<laughs> whenever you job. put the in front of something, that works. <laughs> exactly. Um, and at the time, around 1988, there was there was actually, uh, quite honestly, like one of the, if we were around in 1988 and doing iFanboy through our mimeograph newsletter, <laughs> um, we probably would have been talking about the rumors of a comics rating system that was uh, being discussed about being installed across um, all the publishers. They were saying, listen, you know, there's a lot of um, a lot of people pointing fingers around uh, mature content, and so let's get ahead of it. Let's put in a rating system similar to, although not as extreme as the Comics Code Authority and, and all that sort of stuff. And so in reaction to that topic, Howard Chaikin decided to do the most filthy comic he could come up with <laughs> um, in terms of uh, protest, and that was the original Black Kiss. And in doing so, he ended up, um, I don't know, but not by accident, but, but he ended up doing one of his best works of his career and Black Kiss is if you talk to anybody who read it who's gotten their hands on it who knows about it and is a Chaikin fan um, the tale of vampires in Hollywood is is, and with a lot of sex and violence and and humor um, is one of the best things Chaikin's ever done Um, so here we are you know 20 plus years later and he's returned to Black Kiss to Black Kiss with Black Kiss 2 um, and this is the first issue of a six issue series and the angle that he's taking is that he's um, each issue is going to have two chapters in it, each telling individual stories that are basically um, navigating through the 20th century, um, telling tales of sex and violence and movies. Hmm. So, so that, that that had me at the at the at the at the log line. Um, but what you get with this issue is you get a very dirty comic book. <laughs> I didn't read it, but I leafed. I got it. I downloaded it on graphic and leafed through the pages. And- yeah. Yeah, there's some things in there you don't expect. But what? But the thing is, is that aside from the aside from the graphic nudity and the the or the um, just lots of penises, um, you get some really great storytelling and kind of co- media commentary. Um, and that shows that I don't know, like we, we've seen a lot of Chaikin's work, you know, when he worked with Bendis on doing the, the, the Avengers stuff and, and back when he was doing Dominic Fortune, which he was which he wrote and drew. But I don't, you know, like, I don't think many people have seen this kind of Chaikin, you know, at least recently, um, in terms of that it's a black and white comic. Um, and it is very, it is very alternative in that it's, you know, that it is, is risque. It's got sex. It's got violence. It's got, it's, it can be very brutal. But it, just initially opening it and seeing that first black and white page reminded me of the, the era of the great black and white comics of the, of the 80s, which were, you know, in the independent comics. You know, you had Marvel and DC doing mainstream comics, but you had this great underground. And that's kind of where, you know, Cerebus lived and, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Mr. X and all these kind of great, kind of titles that you heard about and you really had to hunt them down they weren't readily available in comic book shops you found them at cons and you know if you're lucky to have a com- to be in a, you know in a major city that had a good progressive comic book shop um, and they kind of be they were they were dangerous they were they were talked about in hushed tones and you know you found somebody who had a copy you borrowed it and you're just like oh wow and it, and it had work by some of you know the the that is now creators that were considered to be really great um, some of the greats of that era um, and so the, just initially in opening it I was immediately kind of brought back to that kind of time period and, and um, feeling but what I thought was most interesting in this was looking at it um, Chaikin's art is at the top of his game and mainly what really struck me was the use of black and white and his differenti- differentiating between the backgrounds 
and the for, and the characters in the foregrounds. The character mm-hmm. the characters in the foreground are very much similar to very they're his style, and that's one thing. It's funny because I know a lot of people have a hard time with Chaykin and his you know the big chins and his kind of cartooning style of people. But like I was talking about at my comic book shop, Chaykin is unlike anyone else on the stand. Nobody, yeah. nobody does work the way he like looks the way he does. Like he is a complete singular vision in terms of cartooning, which I think is to be applauded. Um, but furthermore, the backgrounds are just immensely rendered. I mean, like de- detailed, detailed down to like very fine line details that, um, which I think works great with his subject cartooning in that the subjects pop on top even more on top of these really delicately rendered backgrounds to the point where we rarely see backgrounds this detailed in comics today from like the mainstream comics um and so you know so ignoring the 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 tits and the the penises and all that sort of stuff that was what struck me was like you know like the the first chapter uh takes place in a movie theater and he does a repetitive kind of panel of the nickelodeon movie theater in front of it and it's finely detailed and it evolves through the time and you see it and you know i just thought that was amazing and then the second chapter is a story on the titanic um, which cracked me up, but if you look at it, you know he's 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 um, rendered the wallpaper in the room, like it, it, it's it, the little little bits in the porthole, like it's it, it, it's fascinating the amount of detail and mastery that went into the artwork on this. Um, he's, he's a pro, he's a pro, yeah. pro, and he, you're right, the, it is a good point that there's nobody that looks like him. Yep, nobody that you know. A lot of people you can see their influences, you can see who they've. Who they aped when they were younger and involved in their own style, but the amount the I can only think of like Scotty Young as being someone so unique in their art. Uh, no one looks like them at all. Yeah, it's just a like a singular kind of vision, and not not a house style or not a not a school or anything like that. Just totally an individual in terms of the art style. Um, Sam Keith. Sam Keith, yes. Sam Keith, yeah. I think that's a great, yeah. yeah, that's a great example. Um, now, story-wise, he's telling, uh, um, you know, he's he's telling the, the first chapter is a interesting commentary on movies, and it takes place in 1906 when movies first came out, and all, of, and and the narration takes you through some of the criticisms and the people who were against movies that they were evil, that they were going to corrupt, and while that's happening, he's showing, um, he's doing a, a fascinating um, kind of juxtaposition between the audience and their reaction to the movie they're watching and then the suggestion of what they're watching which is just a horrible filthy porno movie that turns into this demon woman with penises coming out of her midsection and attacking everybody and really you know kind of taking that criticism and almost illustrating it literally um, to kind of what was being suggested and how movies were going to pervert people showing how ridiculous that statement was. Um, which, you know, and it was a lot of fun to read. Um, and then the second story is just a tale of um, a guy who's on the Titanic, and it's the night that the, the ship crashes, and he's trying to lose his virginity, and he meets this um, demon woman who then uh, kind of give, gives him more than he bargained for, <laughs> all the while right as the, the ship uh, hits the iceberg, and he gets thrown out of the boat naked and uh, never, never the same. But yeah, so you know, ridiculously dirty. Not for kids. This is an adult book. This is a mature book. Um, but it is just. It is a. It is as as shaken as shaken can be right now. And it's just. It, I loved it. I loved every moment of it. Um, and it was almost you know like as soon as I read it, I'm like there there it blew 
it blew ev- any other book that I read this week totally off, you know, off the stands as far as I was concerned in terms of what you got for your money. You know, like it's just this amazing artwork, um, really great storytelling by one of the masters. So. I didn't get it. Oh, okay, that's fine. I mean, no, I mean, I mean, I read it. Oh, okay. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, dude can draw. Yep. Sure. A lot of fucking. <laughs> a lot of fucking. <laughs> and not not even not even the hey, I can get into this kind. Right. No, no. <laughs> but I was like, that was just fucking weird. Well that's the thing is that well, it's was not, it the reverse no, technical just, porn. It was just, was it was just fucking weird, dude. <laughs> no, it was. This it is, is this is like this is like when you pick Glamour Puss, but times three. <laughs> that's fair. Um, but uh It was an interesting commentary. No, it wasn't. It was dude fucking. <laughs> Come on. Well, that's the thing is that what I thought what I thought was interesting is that it's 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 being gratuitous and over violent and over sex, but that's n- that's almost not the point. You know? I I, that, I assume that that is true because otherwise it would be entirely pointless. Right. But I can't tell you that I gleaned what the point was. Okay. And and that there would not be, I suppose, more effective ways to make that point. But everybody does the thing that they do, and more power to them. Yep. Uh, don't read this on the subway. No, this is not a subway reading book. <laughs> you might want to wait till everyone goes to bed. Right, but uh, but what, how about those backgrounds, man? I can't I can't say I noticed the backgrounds. <laughs> They're so detailed. Look at them. <laughs> it might well be. Oh, I love the, the the Titanic shot. The shots of the Titanic, and he does the the night sky with the specks of white. I was you just know? trying too hard to figure out why I was reading this and what it was saying to me. <laughs> I call you well, fucking. I tried. I went in. <laughs> well, you, you, know? you, you gave it a shot. Yeah. I glanced I through in, it. I went in balls deep. <laughs> well, I can't wait for the rest of the series. And when this is all collected, it's going to be one of those ones that's going to be uh, awesome. But um, a real close second place to pick of the week was I had to tip my cap to Fraction and David Aha for Hawkeye number one. Is it Aha or Aja? Uh, it might be Aja. I, I'm, or uh, I think it's Aja. Aha. He's draw more books anyway. Anyway. Um, Talk about talk about the kind of superhero book that I w- would read every month in month out if it stays like this. I, 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 let's go. I have, I'm of two minds. I loved it. Yeah, I loved I, it. And I'm not a huge fraction fan normally. And I, I, I love David Aha. He's one of the best guys working in comics. But yeah. it, it was really good. But I was, after I was done with it, I thought this could get old fast in terms of how mannered it was written. Mm-hmm. Um, it could get. I don't, maybe not old is the right word. Maybe it's maybe it would be too much. I think if this was if it was written, written this mannered every month forever, it would be after a while you'd get really kind of tiresome, which might be the problem with fractions work in general. But um, as a one issue, it was a great story. Yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot of times the problem that I've had with his work is that a single issue doesn't give you anything. And I found like with Invincible Iron Man, that sort of first chunk of them, I read some of the issues and I I really didn't like them. When I read them again straight through, I liked them a lot more. Whereas with this issue, I was so glad that it was a single issue. I wrote a review about this earlier in the week where you can sort of probably hear some – read some of these thoughts. But I got to the end and I was like, please don't let there be a thing at the end that tries to hook me for next issue. Let this just be the thing it is. And they they absolutely made that decision and I thought that was a really wonderful decision. And it's kind of unheard of on a first issue these days usually yeah. even if the story is self-contained they'll put something on the last page that like like it'll be a picture of the stilt man you'll be like oh my god right. you know and they, they decided not to do that which I, I was really really happy with you know the thing about this was is that um 
you guys who are listening and you guys know I'm I'm not a huge Fraction fan. I don't, I don't really like most of the work that he does. Uh, but I try it every once in a while. He's he's certainly got some skills. It's just that it doesn't doesn't really speak to me a lot. Um, some of the stuff's not good, but some of it is. Um, and so I heard that he was doing a book a long time ago uh, with one of my favorite characters with one of my favorite artists. And I was like, I am conflicted <laughs> about this. Uh, but I went in with an open mind because I, I you know he's definitely read stuff that I really liked. Or written stuff I really liked, and uh, I was really, really pleased about it. Uh, I was, I was really happy. It was, it, it sounded. I, I was almost shuddered sort of writing this, but this is exactly like when I've tried to think of what kind of Hawkeye story I would want to write if I ever got to. This is what it was. Yep. It was very, you know, I'm, I'm the guy who's who doesn't have any powers, and they, they just took it all down to the street and, and, and looked at who, who he was as a character, and it wasn't about, you know, fighting a super villain. Um. It's a markedly different approach than Jim McCann took. Yep. Yep. It's it's 180 degrees, and and I I've got to say that you know I liked that other stuff a lot, um, but this is this is an approach that really speaks more to me. I guess is you know whatever the kind of reader I am now. So who knows what that means for the market? Yeah. But um, and then on top of that, you're you're talking about an artist who is uh somewhat misunderstood apparently, but. Uh, incredibly oh, talented. So uh, good. I would read. Oh my god. Well, you know, it's it's really interesting because a lot of people are going to look at it from a service perspective, and they're going to see a guy who doesn't use a lot of lines and is very expressive, which to me is a, is a huge strength. It's cartooning strength. He's he's able to convey uh, motion and mood with posture really, really well. But what he does is he actually is a guy. For some reason, his mutant power is to be able to pack a page with panels, more panels than almost anybody else can handle, and have it and have it still feel airy. Like yeah. well, that's because that's because of the lack of line. Yeah, uh, there's breathing and there's, there's there's space in those pages, but you know he's ta- he's doing twelve, fifteen panels on a page, and that that's that's amazing. Uh, he's an he's an incredible storyteller, and in, in a certain way, I can't think of another storyteller like him. There's no one who lays out pages like Aja. Um, uh, and, and we've only seen him a couple of times. We didn't see him that often. I guess, I'm guessing it doesn't work all that fast. The last time was the Wolverine one shot, which was which was oh, amazing man, in exactly the same great. way. Yeah. Um, I just I I thought that I thought that from an art perspective, he he's he's up there. That was one of the best issues I've read all year. Who did um, we who did we have drawing all the comics? We had Cliff Chang. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then who else did we have after that drawing all the comics? Did, Some, well, somebody else. Either Might way, been, he, he should be on he the list. He can draw all the comics as well. He can That's draw all the comics. That's yeah, fine. I agree. Um, and, and, and the reason that we're talking about it, I think, is a little because, you know, it's important to know why we think that it's good art. It's, it's yeah. not just like, that looks cool. You but, have but to no, look- but it also does look cool. I think his style yeah, is very visually appealing. It's very, and it, it fits the story. It's a very grounded, street-level 70s style-looking yep. book. The design and, and the color of, of the whole thing uh, is, is really interesting, too. You know, that, that sort of purple theme that, that goes throughout it. Um, didn't have to look at his stupid new uniform, which was great. <laughs> um, uh, and and as, again, as I wrote on the website, the only problem that I had with the whole thing uh, was that I thought that the thing where the guys said "bro" constantly got really old. Yeah, that that got yeah. really old. It, it yeah. felt that like was, that was the mannered part I was referring to, it, yeah. and it was a joke gone too far. I like that Hawkeye's got a very distinctive voice. Yeah, He's and it sounded like him. Yeah. yeah, and I thought the thing at the beginning where he kicked the win- the wheelchair. Yep. Into the street. I was like, that was a, oh, that was a dick move. <laughs> that was like in real life. You'd be like, you dick. There's cars there. That was hospital property. Everybody's underfunded. But it kind of works with him for this yeah. character. And I, I thought that that was actually a good choice. How um, rich is he? 
Well, he's got to he, get some. He offers to buy the building for twelve million dollars at the end. Just, he's got rich friends. Who knows? Um, yeah. I love the design. I love the design aspect. I love the last page of a half page, and then with the with the little credit kind of thing. Like that, I thought that was great. Um, this book. I mean, this book. I'm excited for this book now, and I'm not even a big Hawkeye fan. The, the only thing that that has me. I'm not gonna say worried, but it's solicited as ha- being Clint and Kate Bishop. Yeah, she's gonna be. I think she's gonna be his sidekick in this. And, and that could be fine, but. Yeah. Because you know. they're both Hawkeye, they're both called Hawkeye. But um, this is pretty good. Well, let's so just look, let's just hope we still enjoy it until you get until you know you get Aja for four issues, and then you get uh, Koi Fam or Tang Hoing Hot or whatever it is for the next like eight issues. <laughs> pray they yeah. don't. Pray they don't. That do is this. what's gonna happen. Yeah, they're gonna do the yes. switcheroo. Yeah. So wait till they solicit number four. Yeah. Anyway, um, all right, cool. So Avengers vs. X-Men uh, issue 9, uh, despite being written by Jason Aaron and being reunited with uh, Kubert, uh, with Adam Kubert, who he did the great Wolverine and Spider-Man um, series with, this had moments of good because Jason Aaron is a good writer and things like that, but it – I feel as if it broke one. I mean, I don't. I, it depends on where you net out on it, but I guess there's an old adage which is uh, "show don't tell," and this did a whole lot of telling. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's not unusual for comics. Yeah, they most you know most of them don't do that, follow that rule. But but I mean, but, I thought but, but, this was one of the stronger issues. Oh really? Uh, but, well, uh, especially I, after the last two. Well, I just I just felt that, that with the, what with basically with what happened, so that you know the the Avengers find the volcano that that they're throwing Avengers that the, the prison that they've made in, and again, this is just civil war again. You know, but um, and so they they're trying to f- uh, free their their compatriots who have been captured by the by the phoenixes and Colossus and Magic are the two phoenixes that are, that are there. Big fight ensues, and Spider Man steps up and takes his moment and gets his ass beat by Colossus, and then is able to uh, talk Colossus and Magic into fighting each other, and then that that makes them lose their power. And now, you know, so now two phoenixes are down, and now Cyclops and Emma the two, or have got have got the, are splitting the uh, phoenix force power, um, and you're starting to see a rift between Scott and Emma as well. Um, I don't know. I just I just fundamentally, I think the whole event just continues to be flawed. But um, but yeah. So can I, you pull out at this point? Is there any kind of comic, twelve issue comic series that at nine issues that no. you know, no one's gonna. It's not gonna be great now. That's just not gonna happen. Yeah. You know. And, and what's funny is that if you look landing. if you look uh, if you look on the site like not every I mean this isn't like this isn't like the must read book the must read event you know what I mean like I think I uh, it's just flawed on for so many reasons but um but yeah sorry. not hatefully doesn't not sound hatefully. like no not hatefully yeah no just like eh, I wanted more you know like you <laughs> I know, mean again there 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 whereas, there, are, there, whereas, there whereas fear itself by the end people were were kind of like yeah. well yeah. I I th- I, th- I think uh, it helps to look at it for what it is and if you look back. At the events, they're just big, dumb summer fun things. Yeah. And if it's badly done, like Fear Itself was badly done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was clear. This is, this has been all over the map. But exactly. It's, it's and, fine. And, and my thing, my thing is that there are there are elements and moments that I would like. Ooh, I'd li- I would like to see more of that. And because they're going at the the pace that they're going at, we just don't get to. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. The, I think one of the bigger problems is they're going to take on too much. Yeah, agree. And that's been the, the, that's the, been the case. The, the weight of the story is way too much. Yeah, and that's been the case with the last all the last big events. Yeah. Like the the complaint was always that they're moving too fast, and then or all the other good stuff was happening in the other minis. But I haven't heard that about this one. Although I do got to give credit that the um, the Jim Chung cover might be one of the best covers. Yeah, it's a good yeah, cover. That's just a beautiful piece. And I think if you're a Spider Man fan, it's a great issue. I mean, yeah. it's it's similar to the Captain America setting up a Thanos moment where yeah. Cap, you know 
Spider-Man goes up against Colossus, someone he would never uh, have a chance for in a million years, but he does it because he's a hero. Yeah. If uh, um, if if Dan Slott is fatally wounded in, in some accident, then then Jason Aaron would be the good guy to take over. Jason Aaron's a great Spider-Man. Jason Aaron yeah, on Spider-Man, is. I think, is that's the thing that like hopefully in the next five or so years we eventually see because he, yeah he totally deserves this is, it. By the way, this is not a threat against Dan. Slott. No, not at all. I just that guy, has, <laughs> that guy been, has a death grip on that book and he's not going anywhere. Well, he's been doing great on point. it. So I don't. I mean, I, I, at this point, I know Connor and I disagree on this, but recently he's been doing the best work of his run. So yeah. So. I don't know. I'm not reading anymore. Right. So it's, not, it's, it's, I don't disagree. At this, at this point, you know, he should be. Yeah. So, um, uh, did you guys enjoy the Oasis that is Fury uh, Max again? I, as I as I said on the uh, social networks, Fury Max is the book that God has given us to prove to other comic creators how it can be done correctly. Yep. Uh, it's a wonder. Each issue is better than the last one. Um, I love the statement on war in general. And there was a there was a line in particular that got me in this one. I, I don't remember the exact, but it was they were like, "We're gonna we're gonna let all those soldiers die." And Fury's like, "That's why I became a special forces. I hate seeing soldiers get sent to death for no reason." And I was like, "I've never seen it from that perspective," and I thought that was brilliant. Um, it's just a, a good book. And there's, there's a lot of sadness in this issue. Yeah, because yeah. <clears throat> everything is going to hell, and you're it's only gonna get worse. And these characters you've been following that you like. Other than Nick Fury, bad shit's gonna happen to him. Yep. You know, like his 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 psychic guy. He, he's probably he could be the one in the vice in the preview page. Who knows? But yeah. it's it's just going badly yep. in a, in a great way, in a really compelling way. But just I read this, I finished it. I was like, oh, yep. <laughs> this is gonna stab me in the in the heart four or five times next month. <laughs> yep, he is. I, I I'm reading through this issue. And I'm looking at I'm looking at the art. And I realize how far I've come along the road of preferring art that it, that I consider to be cartooning. Yeah, and you I'm do, just, really I'm just looking at it. I'm like, where the hell has Gordon Parlov been all my life? Yeah, uh, and I just like it, looking at that, looking at looking at Hawkeye, you know, looking at the at the artists. Uh, you know, this this is cartooning. This is this is what comic book art is. This is you know, in the tradition of of Jack Kirby and Wally Wood. And I'm just like, yeah. it's just so good. It's not overdone. It's you know, lines doing what they're supposed to, not necessarily trying to look like like a photograph um but instead but at the same time like look at the tanks and the planes and the the weaponry you know he sticks you right there um it's just such a good book in every way you, you you've got a very bizarre uh look at cartooning because i think ahazar is very photorealistic he's still doing it with a minute like we're talking about yeah but you know i mean it it, the amount of lines don't matter the, the effect matters i mean yeah. it's, it's very realism as opposed to like jim lee which is very unreal I think this stuff's more, way more realistic looking. I think that it's expressive. I think that it, he's he's done things that sort of mimic real life, and he's just got a very natural line. Um, I see what you mean with that. I don't. I don't necessarily disagree. Um, yeah. but but either I, way, I, it looks good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. So, before Watchmen, Night Owl number two is the first point of the uh, before Watchmen experiment where I find myself conflicted. Where I'm like, I don't know if I want to keep reading this. No, this is all. I didn't, I didn't read this what one. it looks like. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't read this one. It looks it looks beautiful stuff. because of the because of the Joe Kubert inks over the uh, Andy Kubert yeah. art. But like reading it, I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to know this stuff. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I I really I was I was 100 percent not into the story. Yep. And 100 percent into the art. I was very conflicted about that. Yep. 
We get and, we get glimpses to Rorschach's kind of childhood and like and and we see the origin of the end is nigh sign, which I don't want to see that. And then meanwhile, there's some uh, night owls working on the case, and there's a uh, S and M mistress angle to it, and it's it's I don't I don't I don't want it. I don't want to. I don't think I'm going. It's not necessary. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to keep it's, on reading it. It feels really unnecessary, but yeah. it is like I, you know, like the last one. It, it like the the Cuberts are yeah doing amazing work. I'm so conflicted. Yeah, I'm so uh, conflicted. It's funny but, because it's like because I was ta- so some recently like I was having a casual conversation about before Watchmen it wasn't a professional conversation. Someone was asked me like, am I, am I reading? Like, are you reading it all? I'm like, well, yeah. And the, and I kind of wince like, what you know, what, what's wrong? I'm like, because well, I feel like I have to because like I want to be informed and stuff like that. But this is the first point where I'm like, I don't. I, don't, I think I'm going to shirk my professional responsibility and not read these. And I've never heard you say anything like that. Oh, yeah. And I'm not, and I don't I don't even know you as that huge of a Watchmen fan. Right. No, I'm not. I mean, I, 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 I respect it for the work that it is, and, and, and I think it's great and, and wonderful, but it's not, it's not my Bible, you know what right. I mean? So, yeah. Um, but um, but it, this, is, this is starting to – it's starting to get the, – the, the, the circles are starting to get close to where I'm like, Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah. At first it was like, oh, this is a fun little experiment. And now as we're getting in, like you feel, I feel like they're going to wheel us right up to the front door of the original yeah, text. Right, yeah. And, and, and I, don't, the, I don't want it's gonna, that. It's going to end up right with, uh, with uh, Ozymandias walking into the apartment building or something. Yeah, exactly. and, and, and you can say, you know, you can say that the, the, the prequels didn't affect Star Wars. Oh, they, but they they do. Yeah, they don't. Well, they don't, just, they don't affect it in any way. No, you know how they not, will affect it. I'll tell you. I, I'll tell you how they affect it. Oh my God! So last week, Wait. last week I was at Disney World and I went on the new Star Tours ride, which is awesome. Except it is awesome. That it, it's fucking great. Except there's one scene when the when the ship leaves the docking bay and it's out in space and it's like a spaceport and there is a mix of original trilogy and prequel type ships and it and it fucking hurt my eyes. And this is what I'm saying. Like it, just, yeah. it shows up in the conversation now. Even yeah. it doesn't it doesn't affect the, the content or what's in there, but it's part. It becomes part of the conversation whether you wanted to or not. Right. That, I think of, that's your point. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, time moves on. I get that. It's right. fine. Things get added. But but uh, it's it's not it's not a good feeling on this. Yeah. I don't. I, don't. I, I dropped. Uh, I didn't read last week's comedian book. I, mean, I didn't read this one. Like I'm I'm, I'm paring down. I'm I mean, reading, I, I, uh, I what's funny the, the 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 comparison between like so night out. Like I want to stop reading this because I don't want to see anymore. But meanwhile, I can't wait for the next expect. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I really want to. I need to know what happens next in Minutemen, also. Yeah, yeah, those are the only two I think I'm staying with. Yeah, it's they don't close to come out too. yet, so it's yeah. hard to say. But and plus, also, but we're huge Darwin marks and Amanda God, there's Marks, so many so. more books coming out that haven't come out yet. And the second Minuteman was so much better than the first one. Yeah, it was. I mean, because well, he really got into the story. Anyway, that's it. Anyway. So um, we want to thank Seagate for continuing to sponsor um, iFanboy, and we really appreciate uh, their involvement. And, and and we want to tell you about the Seagate GoFlex satellite hard drive. It is the only wireless portable hard drive that streams content directly to your iPad or any other device. Um, you got an Android tablet or whatnot, it all works. Um, if you got a 500 gig, uh, you got a 500 gig hard drive, Wi-Fi access, a rechargeable battery, um, it's great to take it on the go. It can carry your entire library of video, music, photos, any documents you need. Um, you just download and install the GoFlex Media app onto your device and it links up to the hard drive and it's able to, you can take your content anywhere. Um, so check it out. Go to Seagate.com slash iFanboy. You can get 10% off the GoFlex satellite hard drive. If you're looking for a new external hard drive, I'm telling you, this is the way to go, and we work to get that discount for you. So please go check out Seagate.com slash iFanboy. 
All right, so uh, mind the gap number three. I gotta admit, I, I'm I'm th- with this issue. I'm grooving it. I I, I I am honestly enjoying what what Jim McCann is coming up with with this book, and it's not because like we we've we've you know we're I'm friends with him. We're friends with him. Um, we've watched a lot of his work, but like after I finished this issue, I'm like, wow, that like I I get it, and I'm I'm kind of now anxious for the next issue. Do you dance while reading it, or no? I don't dance. But um, I think that the cast page was a great addition. That was, yes. as, that, mm-hmm. you know, very, very good. Um, I was glad to see they finally get the London Underground font thing correct on the chapter page. Um, <laughs> but um, um, no, but I thought that this was going to move, move the story forward. I'm, I'm intrigued. I don't know what's going on. I like the little back, the, the filling in the gap back matter. Like normally I skip that, but I read it this time. And, and yeah, so I dig it. Yeah, the, the mystery is certainly building. Yep. Um, the momentum is good on this book. Yeah, absolutely. No. Um, so first X-Men number one came out with, and this is the, the Christos Gage and Neil Adams co-written with Neil Adams art um, oh. not as crazy as Batman Odyssey and I was really disappointed so Christos Gage is uh, yeah I think they're tempering he's, Neil he's tempering yeah yeah no one asked him to do that. This is just basically, this is almost like, you remember when they did Wolverine Origin before the X-Men movie came out so they could define Wolverine's origin before the movies did? Yeah. This is almost like after for X-Men First Class came out, they're like, well, we're going to do our X-Men First Class. Which and they it's did. worse. Yeah. And it's, no, no, they did X-Men First Class. Right, yeah, true, it, was called, yeah. it was called Cyclops, Jean Grey, Beast, Iceman, and yeah, exactly. Angel. Um, called X Men First Class. It's like they like Wolverine and, and Sabretooth are uh, somebody's hunting mutants. So Wolverine and Sabretooth are trying to stop them. Wolverine like just carries the samurai sword with them, and then they go to Oxford to find Xavier, and he says, "No, you know, I won't work with you." So they go to Argentina and they find Magneto is hunting down Nazis. So uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there are you know what the, the benefit of those books is that Neil Adams is, is crazy, yeah. and when you take that element out, yeah, it's yeah, and the, and the, the, are, the, are the teeth, the are the teeth are very sharp and pointy. Um, it almost looks like Wolverine and Sabretooth are wearing those fake uh, Halloween fang teeth. Um, and, uh, <laughs> really, like, a, like a hard as hawk. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Listen, um, Bob, I'm the best I am what I... But the, the art was interesting in that it wasn't nearly as um, scratchy like it was in Batman Odyssey. Like, the, you know, remember how Adams' inks were a little, like, a little rough? Like, it was almost like he inked it with a bristle brush. Yeah. Um, these, it's a, this, this is a, a little smoother. So. How is Magneto's mullet? Uh, it's, it's we don't see it till the very end, but it's quite glorious. So. <laughs> All right, Ron, are you still reading Smallville season eleven? I am, but I missed this issue. Okay, two things interesting about this issue: one, Lex Luthor infects Superman with a radioactive isotope that he can track, okay, and has a five hundred year half life. So yep. basically, at this point, Superman's trapped. He can't go home. He can't get to his job. He can't be Clark Kent. Yeah, which is interesting. He can't go near Lois. Like it's a very interesting d- dilemma to put him under. Yeah. Um, the other thing is. They're apparently going to do Crisis in Infinite Earths. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. That's awesome. <laughs> I read that. I went, they're insane. Some people from another Earth show up. It's an alternate Chloe. And then, and then they tell them the crisis is coming. Jeez. Yeah. Is Harbinger there? Or no? Well, in this case, it's oh. Chloe. Because ex- even though it's a comic, they can still only use the same five characters. Right. And the same four sets. But um, <laughs> they're, they're going to do Crisis somehow in the midst of all this. Yeah. I can't wait. I gotta, my store didn't get it, so I gotta get it. When they get it in, I'll read it and catch up. But it's crazy. I love it. Um, what's also crazy is uh, Defenders number nine, because I never knew that Jamie McKelvey drawing um, 60s Theranko esque Nick, Nick Fury would be the greatest thing ever, but it is. Um, I saw, I, I was looking, I saw some pages from the original phonogram recently. Yeah. 
And I was looking at that compared to the sort of stuff that he's doing now. And I was yeah. like, wow, that's really cool to um, watch that progression. But it's also interesting to see what happens when someone like Matt Wilson doesn't color him. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Remember that X Men yeah. story he did? Awful. That, yeah, it, this isn't as bad as that, but it, there are moments where I was like, "Yeesh!" I know, I know, Matt would have colored it differently, and kind of. But, but that said, I mean, one thing Jamie excels at is drawing superheroes in suits, and Nick Fury in a suit, and there and there is the Steranko, um uh, line pattern things going on and all this stuff. It was like crazy sick. They, so basically the defenders go back to the 60s and they find Nick Fury to help them fight Hydra. And uh, that was kind of all sorts of awesome to the point where I kind of want a series just of that. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So. He, he put that picture up on Instagram of the three yeah. panel of Fury oh. pulling a gun out. Was that in this issue? Yeah, no, I think that's in the next issue, I think. Because oh, that, that was awesome. Yeah, this is awesome. It was fantastic. Yeah. And again, if they had just put McKelvey, I mean, there's nothing against Dodson, but I think if, they, if McKelvey had launched this title, it wouldn't be in the trouble that it is. Like, I think that it's, it's, it's a good look now, finally. It does, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah. Eh, I don't know about that. I love McKelvey, but yeah. I think Defenders is always going to die. Yeah, well, that's kind of what they <laughs> it is. It's faded, too, like Nova Books. Yeah. Hey, it doesn't make it not true just because you don't want it to be. I've I, Ultimate Spider-Man uh, number thirteen. Use title, a proper name. I'll, I won't do it. Do it. <laughs> no, it's I will only ultimate, do it when we're referring to Ultimate Comics all new Spider-Man. Say that over and over again. Wait, okay. they changed ultimate, it. Ultimate Comics Ultimates. Ultimate. On the cover, it says Ultimate Comics all new Spider-Man. Yeah, whatever. Uh, this is like my fast food now. <laughs> like I kind of know what it is going to be every time, and I still like it and don't care. If I'm on a road trip, I'm going to go to McDonald's. That's all there is to it. Oh, God. Ugh, why? Jesus. I, I don't know. I just do. Uh, I like it. It's familiar. Uh, I, I will say that I actually been thinking that uh, Dave Marquez took over this one while Sarah Pichelli was doing Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Um, I, he's, he's, he's really good at those emotional moments. I thought that was I thought it was some really sort of strong stuff in there where you're like, you're like, this kid's having a hard time. In fact, to the point where like it's kind of a little less fun because this kid's having, you know, like at the beginning it was, hey, he's got new powers, this is fun. And now, boy, this is really hard. Your uncle died, your father hates you. Like, yeah. you, you know, they really, they really nailed that home, I thought. And I, thought, I think it's been pretty good. But an interesting, interesting take on they're taking the uncle dying angle but in a different way, mm-hmm. yeah. which I think is yeah. interesting. I don't yeah. think I actually yeah. put that I'm intri- together. I'm, I mean, intri- I yeah. I'm intrigued and, and, and I was afraid, I was he- hesitant <laughs> of it, of his involvement in this whole divided we fall thing. But then I opened in the second page showing a map and I was like, all right, I'm in. Well, yeah, the, I was like, was, oh, but, that was awesome. DMZ, cool. <laughs> but the, the thing was, like, how did this happen? Well, like, well it, it happened in the one hand, it was fine. The other yeah. hand, you, you're dropping to this thing where, yeah. does it, is it important? Right. Well, like, it happened funny, all of a sudden? Why at the po- beginning, I was like, what the fuck is this? And yeah. then, uh, then they completely ignored it, pretty much, through yeah. the whole thing. So it wasn't an issue yet. Yeah. yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. We'll see. Anyway, moving on. Justice League International 12 is the last issue before they're doing the annual, but the last regular issue of the series, which I think is one of the biggest sort of sad stories in the New 52, Ron. I think yep. you, maybe you'll agree, I is agree. that we loved the Justice League Generation Lost series, and then we loved the first issue of the series, and then it very quickly became mediocre, and then it very quickly became bad. Yep. Um, so they're killing it. And uh, I think just, the problem is that a lot of the DC books are having is they put on guys who had their time, and now the market's moved on, and... You know, Dan Jurgens isn't necessarily a guy who, who writes modern comics. Yep. And it and it's and it's a little rough. And then you so have yeah. I'd also have the question of what else he possibly got to say about these characters who he's. Well, I think on. you could tell. No, I mean, the, 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 most of them are new characters. Yeah. They okay. Are, yeah. Like, like Omac and Batwing and people like Fair that. Enough. But 
But uh, then you have Batwing number 12, which is written by Judd Winnick, who wrote Justice League Generation Lost, featuring guest appearance by Justice League International. And that felt more like the book that we loved before. Yeah. Uh, it just shows you how important it is to pick the right people to do these books. Yeah. That's all I have to say on that. Um, uh, the, the, the long-awaited – and when I say long, it really occurs to me it's been like a year. Uh, Animal Man, Swamp Thing, number 12's crossover started up. And uh, I am, I am, I am starting to feel, at least in the animal man side of things, that I'm, I'm getting a little tired. I had the exact same feeling. I read both of these. You read Animal Man first, and that goes right into Swamp Thing. I thought it was great that they came out the same week. I thought the cover was great, the whole that art piece. And by the end of Swamp Thing, I was like, you know, this. I felt like this got a little too overhyped, and and it's not. And like, I kind of felt like nothing happened. Well, it's the thing, and I'm starting to realize that in Animal Man, they've been in the exact same situation since the second issue yeah on the run everybody has the same interactions with each other scared of the daughter son's in danger wife like everything's the same yeah nothing has changed through any of these and they're still in a camper and then the mother-in-law came along and she also kind of doesn't like buddy and and i'm like let's move let's let's change something but now they're going to go into this so the characters on the topsoil are going to be doing the same thing until they're done underground. But not next month because next month is a zero issue. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, I mean, literally, October. real time, we're talking like a year and a half. Yeah, and I feel bad for Lemire and Snyder because they were just so excited to do this and stuff like that. And I feel like it just, it's gotten fumbled. Yeah. It's, just, it's, just too, it's just too long. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, there, and there, again, you know, there's, like, there's a lot of setup. And, and, and Animal Man got it worse than Swamp Thing. Since Swamp Thing, they were actually moving. But in Animal Man, it was, there was a lot of explaining pages. Yeah, um, and it was stuff that we knew, but because they were actually, um, I think they were actually doing an exposition to bring in new, new readers. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's why I felt mm-hmm. bogged down by the, by because I read them back to back, and I was like, uh, you know, yeah. So I yeah. think that that's well, probably. Good but point. you have to do that when you're expecting a bump. You have to explain what's been going on, which is fine. It's just yeah. a page or two, but which well, just and it's, actually, and it's how you do it too. Yeah, yeah. I actually really like these two issues because this this stuff actually happened, yeah. as opposed to the last couple. So in that sense, you actually got to the story. And now we stop for a month, but then we get back to it. But for now, I liked these two on their own. Yep. Um, I still think the I think the loss of the artist on Animal Man hurts Animal Man. It's, it's huge. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think it really takes away a lot of the personality. I, and I think that um, who was the guy who did the last one? Ponticelli. Oh, Ponticelli. Yeah. Ponticelli from he's, Frankenstein. He, he, he's the right guy to yeah. put on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's not going to be on it. So. But also in the same sense, you uh, you don't have uh, Paquette doing Swamp Thing. You've got and Rudy. He's done, yeah. And he's only done like half of them. Yeah. Which makes a difference. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's tough. So finally, uh, Rassel come, by Jeff Smith comes to an end with issue fifteen, and it was a, a thick, almost double sized issue. And if you want answers, you got them, and you got you got answers, you got explanations, and you got resolution. And um, it, it may have only been fifteen issues, and we may have wanted more, but they were a great fifteen issues, and it ended in a good spot. And you know, rat, the tale of Rassel is is one that's that I think will be worth reading once it's all collected. That's it. So that's it. It's that's all. It. It's all. Yeah. When did Rassel start? Um, years ago. Well, what's funny is that when it came out, I feel like when Echo it was started. coming out so slow that I was like, I'll just read it later. Yeah. And and I lost track at you know two or three. Yeah. And now you're like fifteen. It's done. I was like, oh, well, all right. That wasn't so bad. Yeah. No, it, it, it was... and, and I've heard nothing but yeah. unending praise. So I'm I'm excited to read it. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it was good, but I mean, it started in '08. Really? So it took four it's years. My life. It took four years to do fifteen issues, and he said he said he was going to do them quarterly. So it's not like it's not like he, he was you know lied. He just he was not in a rush. So yeah. Oh well. 
So those are the books that we enjoyed. Um, but you in the iFanboy community read your books, and you went to iFanboy.com slash comics, and you did your picks of the week. Uh, you, you said these are the books that I – it was my pick of the week. And here are the top five, or actually in this case top six because we had a tie at the time of recording. Um, the number five pick of the week was the aforementioned Rassel number 15 with 2.3% of the picks of the week. Um, number four was Fury Max number five with 27 and when you start seeing numbers this low in the top yep. five, yeah, you know where we're going. <laughs> uh, number three was Daredevil, number 16, with 3.5%, another excellent issue by Wade Insomni. Um, number two was the Hypernaturals, uh, number two, and Earth 2, number four, both tied at 5.3%. And the number one pick of the week book was not Blackest 2, number one, despite my, uh, my recommendation of it. It was indeed Hawkeye, number one, with 70.9% of the picks. My of word. The week. Yeah. It was very good. Yeah, Tanner, what was yours? What, what would you have said? Fury, Max. Me too. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't have the pick of the week again. I was like, <laughs> here you go. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Gotham Central, what? But, um, but I was curious to see the Hypernaturals pop up there, so I thought we'd get a review for it. Yeah. Uh, Midwinter writes oh, in about Hypernaturals number two, gave the story a five out of five, and the art of five out of five, and you have the pick of the week percentage uh, is 5.3%. There's your typo. Yep. From Free Comic Book Day, issue zero onwards, I've been unusually hooked by this title. It's a futuristic, spacey super op- superhero book, a mixture of Legion of Superheroes and Guardians of the Galaxy. What's impressive about this comic is the rich universe that Abnett and Landing have created. It's clever, in a thoughtful way, science fiction. The presumed villain of the piece, a character called Sublime, is essentially a bad band. No, I'm sorry, a human libertarian <laughs> who, from another point of view, could be seen as a hero in challenging an AI-controlled society. The writer's characterization shows skills. There's the right balance of cliché, retired members Reluctantly being called back into service, mixed with hot-headed and unprepared youngsters, tensions between two characters who had been romantically involved, the current balance of the cliche or of the team being wiped out at the start, and with some really interesting concepts, particularly the character Thinkwell, who seems to write equations in the air out of dark matter ink that can affect reality. I can't recommend this comic more highly. Don't wait for the trade, which will be awesome. Go out there and pick the issue up. Um, they did a, a really nice uh, – Boom gave us a process piece. We went through, I think, six or eight pages of, of this uh, from pencils to inks to colors. So you can actually just sort of see how they're done uh, by Brad Walker. And, and this is like the team exactly who was working on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So you guys love that book. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to go back and get, and get the – I'm going to catch up on this because this seems like something I need to be reading. So. I, I have them. I didn't read the first one and then I got the second one, but I, I didn't, have, didn't do it. Yep. I didn't do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Okay. <laughs> All right, all right, fine. All right, no one's, no one's said, attacking you. Okay, okay, an- uh, pressure, all right? <laughs> Corey Roche reviewed Avengers Academy 34 and gave the story a 3 out of 5, and the art of 4 out of 5. And according to this, 0% of the people made this a pick of the week. And that's and true, that is, that is says, accurate, that is accurate. Gage does a great job in this issue of commenting on the big AVX event while telling his own story, one that ties up some threads going back to the early issues of Avengers Academy. Jeremy Briggs' line, remember that big-powered super fight that devastated the cities, killed a whole bunch of people, and changed absolutely nothing? Which one am I? Which one am I right? So it sums, sums up the way many other people feel about these events. There was a great promise of something new happening here, particularly with the idea of granting powers on a merit-based system. Briggs just reads like a modified Lex Luthor who thinks there's great potential to humanity, even though those are superpowers, but the heroes and villains prevent anything real from being accomplished. Betrayal at the end, the exchange between Big Zero and Coat of Arms. Are these people real? Are these real characters? Yeah. However, it takes what could have been a great story that makes what that it uh, makes it what it will be most likely end up being a hero versus villain. Who doesn't think he's a villain battle? Nevertheless, I look forward to seeing how this series ends. A well-regarded book coming to an end with Avengers Academy. So it seems AVX is that's going to be it's going to be a casualty with Marvel now. <laughs> 
Well-regarded so. books with a bunch of characters that, that nobody knows. Know. Yeah. Never a good sign. Big <laughs> Zero, Coat of Arms. <laughs> yeah. it, it does sound like Lex Luthor, by the way. Yeah. It's a good take on Lex Luthor. Cool. Also, big old fight to change nothing is how is, that's all comics. That's, so, that's, that's comics. true. Yeah. Everyone needs to get over that as a criticism. The trick is to make it seem like it changed something for at least a short amount of time. Or at least do it really well. Yeah. yeah, so go to ifanboy.com slash comics and you can do your pull list and your ratings and write your reviews and good reviews get on the show. If you're a creator or a publisher, you're looking to get your books in front of as many people as possible, as easily as possible, then graphically has got the best way to do that. You can upload your book, your comic book, your children's book, your sketchbook, your photography book, just about anything that's got graphics in it. Just a few simple steps and clicks, you're on your way to getting into Amazon's Kindle store, Barnes & Noble's Nook store, the Kobo store, and of course the Apple iBook store. There's no need to have your readers find a specific app that's made for reading comics. Send your readers to the digital bookstores where people are looking for books. 29% of people have tablets and e-reader devices and sales created 300% last year over the year before. It's a lot of potential customers for your comic or your book. You can find a full listing of prices and services at our website. Head over to graphically.com for more details. All right. On to the email. Dylan writes in with a username of Gonzo. Uh, if you could have any comic book writer and artist team create the iFanboy comic book series, who would you want to do it and what would the story entail? I imagine there would be some sort of origin story to start you guys off and then the shena- shenanigans would commence. Chaken. Chaken. <laughs> well, I think, well, we wouldn't want to ship late, so I think we'd have a rotating team of all the people who should draw comics. So it would be Chaken, Cliff Chang, David, Chang. Aha, David Aha, um, Darwin Cook, that sort of thing. We'll just rotate. You know. Darwin, Cook, Darwin Cook should draw the book. Jamie yeah. McKelvey would uh, draw it, yeah. make us look good, <laughs> dress would, well, yeah, and you know, and all the girls around us would have cute hair, short-haired <laughs> girls. So yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Who would get the task of writing it though? I I'd write it. It would be Darwin Cook and Big all the time. It looks stupid. We would trip a lot. Stop. <laughs> Um, It'd be like Three's Company, just all Jack. <laughs> constant misunderstandings. Um, I think Actually, Three's Company would be a great format. You have us all live together. Yeah, that's a good idea. Misunderstandings constantly. Yeah. Where's, the, where's the sexual tension coming from? Wait, don't answer uh, that. We've, we've established over the last however many years that it's coming from a natural point. That's I think, true. I think Jason Aaron could do it. I think there's a good a good mix of you don't end with us pointing guns at each other. <laughs> well, no, not necessarily. I mean, he shows the natural way this thing ends. Let's he, be honest. Yeah, it's true. It's true. That's true. I can't argue with that. And he, for some reason, it's going to take place in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's been he's shown the ability to do the humor and the and and the gritty and all that stuff. I think he's the most flexible. Listen, we're not that funny, and we're certainly not that greedy. Greedy. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> all right. We need some middle of the road writer. <laughs> I want J. Michael Straczynski to write us. <laughs> oh, I just want to see what that is. I'm not calling him middle of the road. That was a different thought. Yeah. Just, that was just a morbid curiosity. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it would be fascinating. He'd certainly make us high mind. <laughs> and then and then he wouldn't finish. And, Jim writes in. I'm going to end this now. Before well, let's just, let's just say, let's just be clear that it'll, can, it'll be canceled by five issues. So. Yeah, but he'll walk out on four, so it's fine. <laughs> he gave a really good interview on the show, by the way. Yeah. I, I actually enjoyed it. Jim wrote in and says, after long hours of thinking, many, many hours, I've decided that shocker supporting characters are important to a comic book, superhero comic book. I'm, I've read Spider-Man and Batman pretty frequently. I think that's because I like reading about Pete Parker's girl trouble or the Bat family interacting out of costume as much as I like them suited up and fighting crime. On the other hand, I never really liked Iron Man because I find his supporting cast boring and too often non-existent. Do you guys agree? What are, what are superheroes do you think have the best supporting cast characters? I absolutely agree. 
Absolutely. I think a lot of times the supporting characters are the ones that make or break both a comic book but also a good TV show and, you know, like that. You know, like it's it's those foils and the, that support of a – Like that ensemble show kind of thing yeah. or, you know, the, the comic book version of that. But – uh, And honestly, I mean I think that's one of the things – I mean going back to the X-Men, I mean the X-Men have had – you know the, the classic years of the '80s. You know there were you know the, there were everyone living in the mansion, but then there was also a wider spectrum of characters. You know there were girlfriends and significant others and teachers and the guy who ran the coffee joint and stuff like that. And you got a real sense of a community. One one thing that I think is really interesting is that um, people are really excited about Snyder on Batman right now, and, and the the focus of that has not been on the supporting cast at all. Really, it's Bruce. Dick Grayson has been a pretty strong part. Yeah, of it. but he's shown up Alfred a couple of times well. and had a conversation with it after the fact of the things happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's not—they're it, not involved with everything. I feel like, I—I I mean, the, the person who did this best was 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 Chuck Dixon, who could just handle right. all of them, and they were all constantly involved with what was happening. Um, it was really good. You know, that was as good as anything got. I feel like Rucka did it pretty well for a while too, but that's because they had, you know, like a no man's land going on. So they were all involved with the action and the stuff that was happening, and it wasn't sort mm-hmm. of one character going through it. Is everybody going through it? Um, and, and so like Batman's really got those characters there. That was the thing you guys really liked about Amazing Spider-Man for a while, wasn't it? I mean, oh yeah. Amazing Spider-Man's always got that. I mean, I, I know, yeah. but, uh, I'm sorry. After the, after the relaunch sort of, yes, like, yeah, he, they, they had the Harry Osborn and Mary Jane and they had uh, a lot of people hanging around Peter. You you need to have the main character bounce off somebody. Yeah. yeah. And that's harder yeah. to do. But if you look at, uh, even Daredevil this week, you know, Daredevil without Foggy, is is not is not half as good. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think those supporting characters are important. That you know the the non-powered guy who grounds the the super-powered guy and all you know like and and when it's just like one hero against the world or whatever, that becomes a bit too. You know, even even like the best parts of Brubaker's Captain America run, he had a rich you know. There yeah, were characters that's a, that's to work. a great point. Nick Fury, think, Black yeah. Widow, Sharon so, Carter, yeah, Sharon Carter, Falcon. They were all there. Yeah. It made that book really good for a while. It's one of the reasons I don't think that I've ever really gotten into Punisher too much because there's not never much of a supporting cast. Yeah, uh, maybe. Which Ronnie's well, done. Well, that's Ronnie's given. In the old run, there was one supporting cast. Yeah. You had microchip. There has to be someone there to ask or to tell the main character that some people just want to watch the world burn, <laughs> and then tell you how old they were when they burned. She was just sixteen. Just sixteen years old. <laughs> All right, well, if you have any questions, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. On to the voicemails. Our first voicemail is uh, about a topic that's relevant to our interests. Hey, this is Sal from Brooklyn, and I wanted to know if uh, any of you guys had seen the Thomas Jane short, Dirty Laundry, based on his Punisher character, and what you thought of uh, any of those independent shorts made by other people, like the uh, Batman Predator series done a while ago, or any other ones that have come up in the past. Thanks a lot. Bye. I was kind of disappointed that Sal from Brooklyn sounded like Irv from Fairfield. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Jimmy Palmiotti, and I, I didn't get that. Um, did, you, uh, did you watch the Thomas Jane Punisher short? Well, we posted it on the website. Right, well, yeah. Well, did you watch it? <laughs> I try to watch it. If we post something, I try to watch it. Yeah. So, yes, especially <laughs> when I post it. What did you um, think of it? Uh, it was good. Yeah, I, I it was, mean, it was, it was, it was you know, fun. It's, it's a fan film by a guy who's got a lot of money and friends who can make a good fan film. <laughs> and he really likes that character. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the thing is, if you, I, I don't know if you guys ever looked, there are so many fan films. Yeah. Like, it, say too many. And when, when the Batman Predator one came out, it was somewhat unique 
And it wasn't YouTube wasn't as big then. This was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but now anyone can put their fan film up on YouTube, and there's just thousands of them. Yeah. And uh, the good ones are good, are fun, but the bad ones are bad. Bad ones are bad. <laughs> so, like anything. <laughs> um, but I enjoy. It. I mean, they're, they're fun. I enjoy that. You know, it comes from a place of passion. And Zeb Wells got a job in comics from his fan film, and yeah, and you know, it I was mean, different Jen- back then. That was like doing. That was like when we started the podcast. Yeah. Yes. Now it's like starting a podcast now. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I never under, I, honestly. Maybe this is like the this sort of relates to comics, but I never understood putting that much into doing a fan film when you create something on your own. That's like a thing you can have. Yeah. And, and this comes from I, I did. I think I did a Captain America comic once, just you know, for fun, yeah. which took a lot of effort too. Well, I mean, I, I, I generally look at these and I kind of roll my eyes at them, you know, like because because it's the you know because I don't know just because it's like you're it's fanfic basically just but in video, you know. Um, but the, the but the good ones can be amusing. I, I watched this a couple times and enjoyed it, and I thought you know I thought I mean it was schlocky in the right ways, and the 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 reveal of the Punisher made me you know made me groan but laugh and 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 applaud it, you know. So I don't know, it was it was fun. I think you know if people enjoy it, they want to enjoy the, these characters, then it's more power to them. I'd rather he did something about the vegan from Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, exactly. That'd be awesome. I could see more of that. Right. <laughs> Clifton Collins Jr. That's that's what I'd like to see. Our next voicemail is going to trigger a trip down memory lane. Hey, guys. This is Matt from Madison, Wisconsin. As I was leaving my fifth showing of The Dark Knight Rises in five days, it dawned on me that something you don't see a whole lot anymore are the official comic adaptations of movies. And I remember back in the day getting those, and that was the way I, quote-unquote, saw the movie a second time was I read the comic. And I was just wondering, like, was that something you guys did? And B what happened? Did they just not sell? Obviously, I mean, that must be the reason. I don't know. Um, I kind of miss them. I won't lie. So, uh, thanks. Keep up the good work. Love the show, and I can't wait to hear your response. See you. You are Gotham's revenue stream. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to do the rest of the show like this. It's a lot of time to see Dark Knight Rise. (laughs) That's 15 hours. I read them a lot when I was a kid, like 89 when Batman came out. I read that I, one, certainly. I remember no, I, that Batman one, and I know exactly what it looks like, and I'm pretty sure I double-bagged it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, um, and I do also remember it was not very good. I, growing up, fucking loved the Return of the Jedi adaptation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that, and the thing, the difference well, about, those, the, about the, the movie adaptations in the 80s was I'm pretty sure Chaykin did the Star Wars one. Yeah, like like good people worked on them, and they still do the movie adaptation. I don't know if they're doing a, a Dark Knight Rises one. I don't know if they've done any of the Nolan ones, but I know Marvel. No. Did, Marvel does Marvel does them for all their movies, and it's always but like they're like they're not like they're throwaways. But they're prequels, aren't they? Yeah, they're usually not just direct adaptations, right? Yeah, they're, what they're doing now is the is the is the you know the the synergy yeah. is the uh, they do prequels and sequels and the, like IDW's doing a Star Trek series which bridges the two movies and they did a prequel series for that like they they try to give you a new story. Yeah, yeah, um, and they, they don't would, really do is, them. They do they still do novelizations. Yeah, yeah. which is weird because uh, there's there's a there's a Dark Knight Rises novelization, but they don't really do the comics. Who wrote that? Do you know? I don't know. Not so, if it's not something we know, it doesn't really matter. Um, but uh, they, I mean, they, they try to give you the before and after now as opposed to the, the, what you saw. And the, the cool thing with the old novelization or the old adaptations was that they were done by early versions of the script. So they'd be, sometimes be really different than the movie. Jack, Jack Kirby did 2001, A Space yeah. Odyssey. Yep. Uh, and he had no idea what it was, so he just did a comic book. <laughs> Which is awesome. Like, it has very little to do with the movie. 
I've never seen it, but I've heard about it. I think that yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, before they started doing the synergy ones, I know in the mid two thousands, early two thousands, they did adaptations. I remember getting the Spider Man one, and and it was like just people trying to draw a Tobey Maguire, and yeah. you know, and like you know, just uh, and, and and truncating the story to fit into a comic book, and it was just really mm-hmm. kind of sad. And I think that's kind of why they stopped it. But so anyway. All right, cool. So if you have any questions, you can call us on our voicemail line at one eight 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 fanboys It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. So we've got other podcasts that if this one isn't good enough for you, you can go listen to others. And I hear rumors of one called I Fanboy Don't Miss that used to come out before San Diego. Um, really? That, that, yes. That features uh, interviews with curators coming uh, about books that are coming out that you need to pick up. We've been a little delayed because of San Diego and all the videos, the stuff that we've been doing, but it will be coming back. Um, so go to iTunes and make sure you subscribe to it and don't miss a single episode. Um, you can get it in iTunes as well as on iFanboy.com. Well, somebody else does a regular short podcast, <laughs> and it is back out. Because uh, some people take things seriously. <laughs> no, uh, the Mid Comics podcast, which is much easier to produce uh, than the Don't Miss podcast, comes out every Wednesday and looks at a specific part of making comics, uh, whether for the uh, enthusiast or the casual fan who just likes to know how it's done. Where me and Andy Schmidt will talk about a topic. Sometimes we'll have a guest on uh, some some aspect of making comics, and that that comes out on Wednesdays, and uh, they'll, they'll they'll be coming out regularly for the near future. Cool. And if you haven't noticed, the video show is back temporarily. We uh, brought a camera to San Diego Comic-Con, and we've been putting out videos every day, every weekday since then. Um, We are at uh, how many shows at this point? A lot. A lot. So if you want to see interviews, this year we decided to do is instead of doing a big mega show with all the interviews, we did did them as separate show interviews or as small clusters of interviews if they're related time-wise and if they're short. So uh, go check it out. You can go to fanboy.com for those shows. You can get them on iTunes. You can get them wherever you saw the show before. You can get them on uh, your TiVo probably still. YouTube.com slash iFanboy. Go subscribe there. Oh, YouTube.com slash iFanboy. If you like the way that we do the old shows, you can just wait the two weeks that it would have taken us, (laughs) put them all together, and start playing them uh, one after the other. And it will be exactly the same thing. So we talked to everybody you'd hope we talked to, Scott Snyder, Joe Casada, Axel Alonzo, Jim Lee, Jim, J. Michael Straczynski, Adamanda Connor, basically everybody that you want to hear from Comic-Con, we talked to them. So go check it out. It's back temporarily for the Comic-Con experience. Yes. Mm-hmm. Some good in-depth interviews with Greg Rucka, Eric Stevenson. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Wade, Ramon Axel. Perez, a lot of, lot, of, uh, lot of Eisner winners, Mike Norton. Good stuff. Right on. And you can find all that aforementioned stuff at ifanboy.com. You can find my Pick of the Week review. You can go read about uh, the dirty Black Kiss 2. Um, you can go watch the video shows. You can get all the other great posts. Uh, we've been rolling this past week has been full of Marvel Now teasers and, and speculation and rumors and confirmations and all that sort of thing. Really not um, aligned with the teaser part. Yeah, they're not. Um, and don't miss anything uh, by subscribing to uh, or following twitter.com slash ifanboy or subscribing to the feed at facebook.com slash fanboy where we post everything there so you can catch it so you don't miss a single thing uh and thank you for reading everything we do uh you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or you can give us a voicemail at 888fanboys which is 326-2697 and when you do that and you do it well uh you make the show better as i think you saw that had to happen this week um and so we appreciate that make sure that you do the same and um if you want to send a voicemail and make sure to sort of keep it to a good length and be clear and direct and tell us who you are and where you're from uh and we will appreciate you for it uh, for at least a small amount of time. And finally, if you like this show or the Don't Miss show or the Make Comics show or the video show or any show you listen to, please go to iTunes, write a review. It helps people find the show and helps uh, the audience grow. It's, it's just, a little, just a little thank you to, you know, for, for all the hours of entertainment. Yes. Thanks, thanks no time at all. Cool. So it's good to be back. Good to be back in the saddle. And uh, I think we'll be together at least for a couple more weeks before Josh takes off. 
I was so lost without you two. Yeah, no, jeez. You, you had to go deep into the bench, didn't you? Yeah, I just, yeah. I almost did it just myself, Michael Caine, and Bane. Nice. It was just going to be. <laughs> that would have been, been awesome. Batman number three. <laughs> so, cool. Well, until, until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. I've, I've totally, I've flaked there. So they can't climb at all.